What's going on, everybody? It's your boy VJ back at last with another podcast episode. Um, if you guys haven't heard uh, the previous episode, listen to that. I just kind of explain like what's been going on, why we've been away for so long. It's really been my fault, um, but you know, all the uh, the answers to your questions will be in that uh, episode. It's like eight minutes long, so go ahead and check that out. Um, but it's approaching that time. We are recording on January 17th. We're less than a month away from the All-Star break. So I thought, let's get Adam back in here, man, and let's let's talk All-Stars. So uh, Adam, first and foremost, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Right about the halfway point of the season. Things are really starting to take shape. Uh, teams looking forward to the, the All-Star break and then the trade deadline not too long after. So definitely be some exciting stuff coming up here in the next few weeks. Absolutely. Um, so for the listeners, we are going to um, do our our uh, selections. I thought the best way to do this was um, I'm going to l- label off some locks and uh, Adam can either agree or disagree with me. And then we'll get into the guys who, you know, we might um, we might have some debate over uh, after. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. Let's show them the respect they deserve. They've been the better conference. They're more top-heavy, and they're deeper. So let's go ahead and give them the bulk of this episode um, and really make sure we touch base on them. First and foremost, the first thing I wanted to say, Adam, um, is just in this starter spot, right, one of these four players is going to be left off because they're all front-court players. One of Jason Tatum, KD, Embiid, and Giannis are going to be locked. Uh, left off and become a reserve. Um, so, Adam, my first question for you, because I'm assuming you have all four of those guys as locks, uh, which one of those yeah. four would have hit the bench for you um, in your team? Yeah, so this this was tough to sort out. Um, I, I left KD on the bench. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I thought that we would disagree on that, but I did as well. No, you know... Katie and Tatum is an interesting one because I, I think we would all probably choose to start a team and build it around Kevin Durant over Jason Tatum. But the year that Tatum is having and how good the Celtics are and where he stands in the current like MVP odds and whatnot, it, it didn't feel right to leave Tatum on the bench. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm not trying to knock Kevin Durant by any means, but I, I left KD off unfortunate that one of those four had to be left off i agreed with you um now i thought again like you're saying like the year he's having is spectacular he's doing it on both ends of the floor um considering that really outside of nick claxton that team doesn't have any rim protection aside from him and you know he's really delivered on that end um which um has been yeah block and a half a game pretty impressive to see at age whatever he is 34 now um but the reason I think it was easier for me to leave him off too is just the fact that he's hurt now. Like, if you want the honest truth, um, yeah, it was splitting hairs, and it's just like I couldn't leave Giannis because he's been the only thing keeping the Bucks from like really slipping this year. Middleton hasn't played a lot; their offense has kind of been in the mud this season, um, and he's probably, if not the best defensive player in the league, top three. Um, so it, I couldn't leave him. Embiid has been doing Embiid things. Um, yes, he's alongside Harden, but anyone with eyes knows he's the clear driving force of that team. Yep. 
And then, like you said, man, Tatum, uh, I think even if KD was healthy now, I think the thing that would have drove it uh, is the team success and just how every year it seems like he's adding something to his game. Not to say that KD doesn't do that, but um, but what we're seeing from Tatum and how it's contributing to not only the Celtics being you know, first, but they're dominating a lot of the games they play. So I agree with you, man. Um, okay, so first order out of business. We both agree that uh, KD wasn't going to be a starter. So that leaves Embiid, Giannis, and Tatum as our starting front court. Um, it's safe to say that Donovan Mitchell is a guard lock in that starting spot. I agree. Um, and go ahead and give me your second guard in that starting lineup. Uh, this was another tough spot to figure out, um, kind of for some of the same reasons that I ended up saying I can't leave Jason Tatum off. I give the edge to Jalen Brown. I mean, the Celtics okay. are the best team in the league. Jalen Brown's putting up north of 27 points a game, shooting almost 50% from the floor. He's having a great season. They're a great team. It, it felt right. Okay, so this is going to be our first disagreement. Um, I had Jalen Brown as a lock to make the team, 100%. Um, I actually went here, and I know he's injured at the moment, and that might, you know, sway things a little bit for, like, people listening to this. But I just thought, based on what I've seen on the court in terms of production, man, I thought Tyrese Halliburton deserved this spot for me. Uh, like Again, I know he's injured currently, but um, before he got hurt, he had amassed 20 points a game, 10 assists, 48% shooting on a team that we both thought to start the year they were going to be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. And now, granted, they still might be if a few things go wrong for them, him being hurt being one of those things, uh, and they start to slide. But just what they've done when he's played and how good he's been and how influential he's been to a team that really outside of himself, Miles Turner, Buddy Hill, doesn't really have a lot of talent. Um, Oh, Benedict Matherin. Yes. Pardon me. Pardon love, me. love that case. I, I, yeah, pardon me, man. <laughs> Benedict Matherin, I'm sorry. Um, but but no, I, stands, though. <laughs> outside of those guys, um, it, it's it's a team that is no one would uh, say is going to be competing anytime soon. And just the, the competitiveness, the playmaking, some of the passes he makes are like on that sort of CP3 level where it's just he's seeing the game of a step or two ahead. And uh, I guess I put him in that starting spot because I coupled expectations of the team combined with his performance, combined with the fact that he's still such a young player. I wanted to give him the nod over Jalen Brown there. Yeah, I, I can certainly understand that. Uh, I had Halliburton on my team, and I thought that was going to be a bit of like a, a shocking statement because I feel like he's a little bit less of a, I guess, known commodity. Mm. But... I mean, it's the stuff you touched on, man. Tyrese Halliburton is the main reason that the Pacers are so loftily uh, overachieving their expectations. And as I mentioned in the beginning, we said that we're at about the halfway point of the season now. Things are kind of starting to settle in. We're kind of starting to get a clear picture of what we have. So early on in the year, we had to talk about these surprise starts from the Utah Jazz and from the Oklahoma City Thunder and from the San Antonio Spurs they're saying this is not the last these guys are going to fall back to earth and all three of those teams have but we're deep enough now to say no this is real the Pacers are going to be around the Pacers are going to be contending for a playing spot potentially playing 
in the, in that spot and, you know, earning a shot in the playoffs. Halliburton's running all of that. You mentioned some of the stuff he does offensively, both scoring the ball, distributing. He played great defense this year, 1.8 mm-hmm. steals per game. He's using his length to bother guys on ball. He's getting in the passing lanes very well. Yeah, real impressed with Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not upset at you at all for uh, naming him a starter. Okay. All right. So we agree with four of the five starters, which was going to be pretty easy there. Um, I had Halliburton. You had Jalen Brown. Um, So let's get into our benches. I have Jalen Brown. You have Halliburton. Boom. Pretty simple there. Um, I have a couple more locks that I want to get your opinion on. Did you have Pascal Siakam as a no-brainer? did not include Pascal. Okay, so let's talk about Pascal there. Um, Because for me, you can flip the coin on what I just said about Halliburton for the Raptors, right? Team that we thought would be in and around where the Pacers actually are around the top six, you know, um, maybe pushing uh, one of those top five teams in a playoff series. and, And it just hasn't gone to plan this year. But I actually think Pascal Siakam in his 34 games played has been the one constant they've had uh, tw- I'm looking at this, that's here 25 a game, eight rebounds, six and a half assists. The shooting percentage is not where you want it to be 47% um, compared to some of the other names that are going to be on the list that are shooting it at a, at a better clip. Um, but I think that boils down to a little bit more of his teammates kind of underachieving this year. You look at Scotty Barnes, not taking the leap that maybe some of us thought he would. You look at Fred Van Vliet, who, even though he had an amazing game tonight against the Bucks, has kind of struggled on, on the season. OG Ananobi has been a bright spark, but it's kind of that perception versus reality thing. We like He's a, he's a good three-point shooter, but I don't think teams are treating him as such. Um, and, and Pascal's had to work with a little bit more of a clogged paint than what would be optimal for him. And he's still giving you really good numbers. Uh, the defense has slipped a little bit with Pascal. That's one thing that you know, can be held against me. I'm, I'm fully aware that uh, he's kind of slipped on that end. But again, I think I attribute that to a little bit more to the Raptors as a whole. Nick Nurse is already at the point where he's only playing the seven, eight man rotation because he knows the team just isn't good enough, not deep enough for him to trust nine to 10 guys already. Um, but I didn't want to punish Siakam for the underachievement of the team because he, to me, has been just as good as he was last season. Yeah, so I I can understand that, and I think it would be fair to say that I probably did punish him a little bit because of the underachievement of the team. So the way I did this, I made my starter picks, and then I listed out all of the rest of the guys, organized backcourt, frontcourt, into, like, people in contention, and then kind of, like, compared those things against each other. And everybody who didn't get picked got moved into a like in consideration category. So Siakam is in that category. And what happened was when I started putting his numbers next to the numbers of some of the other guys who I did pick on my team, I found them to be pretty similar, Hmm. but those guys teams are winning more. Fair. And Pascal Siakam's Toronto Raptors are four games under 500. They're in 11th place in the East. Yeah, like um, I, I I was splitting hairs here trying to I have to pick somebody. That's kind of what it boiled down to. So no, maybe it's not fair to you know hold his his team's lack of success against him because as you mentioned, Siakam is still playing at a high level, but he missed the cut for that reason on my yeah. list. Yeah, I can hear it. All right, so I have Siakam. You don't. Do we both have Demar Derozan? Yes. 
Okay. Um, and that was my last sort of lock. Um, so go ahead and give me, so we're up to, uh, I have eight people on my team. You have seven. Go ahead and give me another person you had on your team. You didn't have Trey Young as a lock. So Trey Young was one of these, I have him here and I can show you. He's one of these, I had two question marks by, um, just because again, the, <laughs> the same reason I didn't want to punish Siakam, I'm punishing Trey Young. It's a little hypocritical. <laughs> um, his numbers aren't fantastic. Um, and when you watch the Hawks play, it's a lot of, if Trey Young wasn't on this team, this team would be in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. So I, I definitely hear it. I, th- this might be not the most basketball logical reason, but I left him out because of some of the other stuff that I see from the Hawks. You hear the, the things coming out with Nate McMillan and how hard it is to, to coach this Trey Young-led team. You hear the, the rumors about he doesn't like this guy or this coach. He got, he got Lloyd Pierce fired, get Nate McMillan. They make a conference finals. Uh, he tells the, the, the front office after last year when they lost to Miami in the first round, hey, we need to accelerate this process. They go out and trade three first round picks for DeJounte Murray. Hasn't mm-hmm. really worked out. I don't know. Again, this is a little less basketball savvy for me and a little more I don't like some of the behavior I've seen from him. Um so That's in my okay. in my personal yeah, in my personal team, man, he kind of got dinged for that. He He's yeah. not. He's still in consideration. Like I have a. Um, we'll we'll get to it later. I have a couple guards that like he's on the list with, um, for that last spot. But yeah, I definitely did ding him for sort of the, uh, the way I guess Trey Young makes me feel. If that if that's yeah. The so I, I, I understand that. I, I completely understand that. And I'll be more blunt with you. I left Kyrie Irving off because I don't like him. <laughs> he's he's, he's, there you go. That, that was that. Uh, let's Trae Young, though, just just <laughs> just to make that case real quick. I mean, twenty-seven and a half points a game, ten assists a game. He's keeping the Hawks right about five hundred and in contention. And without him, they'd be in the women Giannis week state. You kind of already talked about that. So I, I'm surprised. Though. I would have thought Trey Young would have been a lot for you as well. Um, so let's see. We're missing three players at this point for my team are we still missing three from yours yes so i have one more guard and i stuck Jalen brunson in that spot okay i had brunson as well and for real quick to just show him some love uh you can go deeper than the stats which are good 24 six assists good good percentages uh 40 percent from three just about um, but this is just deeper than yep. statistics. This is eye test. This is control of the games. This is uh, late game scenarios where he's just shown like, hey, Knicks fans, we don't have to keep hitting our head against the Julius Randall wall all the time, who, by the way, has yep. been good. And we might talk about him later. Um, but there, it, there has been a increase of just poise and increase of sort of stability in the team on a night to night basis that hasn't been there for years and years and years. Um, so for me, yeah, man, I thought Jalen Brunson definitely deserved to be in. He's on my team as well. Yeah, absolutely. He's just been that steadying presence that the Knicks need and just mm-hmm. keeps things on time, like keeps everything where it's supposed to be, calms them down, some into their sets, and, and has had a huge impact on that team. So that was it for my guard. 
that leaves my guards at Trey Young, DeRozan, Brunson, Halliburton. Okay. I have my reserve guards, anyways. I have one more guard, and I want to get your opinion on it. I know he's missed a fair few of games, and this was the name. Can I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. James Harden. It is not James Harden, but he has also okay. missed a fair few games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> for me, man. And this is the the two question marks. It was between Trey Young, who I en- ended up leaving off, and my man out in Cleveland, averaging twenty one and eight, yeah. amazing shooting splits for me. Um, the field goal percentage is okay, but the three point he's at forty yeah. percent. He's taking six a game. That's Darius Garland, and again, this feels kind of like a a Brunson sort of thing to me. Like there's a sort of poise and calmness about him. Um, especially with him being demoted essentially to second fiddle this season. Um, Donovan Mitchell's come in. He's made that his team. No one would dispute that. But there is sort of an art and a craft to accepting that, you know, like things you used to run through you all the time late game, and now you're splitting touches, or in most cases you're getting the scraps of what Donovan Mitchell doesn't want. And I thought he's done really good in that, I think, there's obviously going to be the defensive case against them. But again, when I was comparing them to Trey Young, it's not like Trey Young is <laughs> Tony Allen and Darius Garland is, you know, Darius Garland. Um, so there wasn't much of a, a, a dissuade, uh, a sort of like put off factor in that aspect. Trey Young's numbers are better, yes, but he's also being asked to do so much more. So I think there's correlation to why the numbers are better. Um, and for me, man, this is one of the few cases where I was just like the winning, the acceptance of the lesser role and still being very good in that lesser role. Um, it all kind of culminated uh, to, and I just really like the way he plays. Honestly, I just really think he's one of the few true point guards we have left in this league. We talk about it a lot. Those guys who are okay being table setters. Darius Garland is very okay being a table setter. And Oh, by the way, he can shoot 40% from three as well. You know? Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you know, his shots went down, his shot attempts per game with Mitchell coming in, but his scoring hasn't really dropped much mm-hmm. to, like, go along with that. Some of that being the little bit of uptick in the three-point percentage. His assist numbers are still fantastic. I mean, eight assists from your secondary ball handler, that's, like, fantastic. Cleveland looks very good. I think these guys might be a bigger problem than we're talking about when the playoffs roll around. But we I agree. That at some other point. So, yeah, I, I, I have no issue with Darius Garland making this. Okay. So, you said you were out of guards. I'm out of guards. So, that means you have two front court players and I have one. So, go ahead and two give me. Two more in addition yeah. to KD. Right, right. So, go ahead and give me yeah. one of those. Go ahead and give me one of those guys. I think this is will be the one that I have as well. Uh, Julius Randle. Yes, Julius Randle is on my yeah. team as well, yes. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle is the specific guy I was, I was having in mind when I said I put Siakam's numbers next to his. Fair. And they're pretty similar. Siakam is like more assists. Randle has more rebounding. They're like right online with each other in scoring. The uh, efficiency is, is pretty similar. But Julius Randle is – his team's a little bit better, and he – is one of only two players that made either of my teams who has played every game so far this season. Mm, I respect that. 
respect that. Yeah. Best ab- best ability is availability, as they say. And right. and you're right, man. He's his numbers are very good and they're good in a way that is starting to impact winning again, which is what we yeah. didn't see last year, you know. Last year there's a lot of the incidents with the fans. Um, and it's he seemed to really win them back over. And yeah, man, I, I, I put him on the team for a similar reason. I just thought like it's it's very easy in those big markets to once once the fans give up on you or once they kind of feel a way about you, you, you can never get them back. Or most players don't even try to get them back and it sends them in a tailspin. Julius Randle's, you know, he just picked himself up by the bootstraps, as they say, and just worked even harder. Um, he's another one who um, you could argue he's come in. Uh, he's had a teammate come in and, and kind of take the team over from him and, uh, you know, we could debate who the number one guy on that team is, but he's done a very good job accepting a little less usage and being a little more efficient. Yeah, they play off each other very well. Very well, yeah. Um, did feel a little weird that the only two teams that have multiple East All-Stars for me are like the Celtics, which like, okay, that's completely reasonable, and then the Knicks. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, but if you go if you go through some of the top teams, like it it's not crazy. Like the um Bucks, Middleton's been out all year and Holiday's been good, but he has slipped a little bit defensively. Um yeah. and then some of the offensive decisions that he makes, I just like some of the, the backcourt players a little more. Um you look at for you, Cleveland Garland was probably on that cutting room floor for you. Yeah. Um, missed James Harden. Harden missed probably, yeah. So, and so yeah, I, I mean, it's not crazy heat. when you think about it, yeah. Yeah, I had a pair of Heat players in consideration as well, and one of them took my last spot that we haven't got to, and okay. I went with Bam. Be- okay, Bam okay. Good. Was, is the, now, question, because it was between him. So the three guys I had for the last spot was Bam, Randall and Butler and was it for you Bam over Butler just simply off of games played or was it games played impact the team he's in a career high and scoring like what was it for you they've actually played the same amount of games really 30 31 apiece uh I've watched a good bit of the heat this year and I just feel like Bam is everywhere all the time on both ends of the court and I I had to Hold on. Is that wrong? Did I mess something up? Yeah, Jimmy's played 31, Bam's played 40. Okay, my bad. I have a bad note in here. I think I copied and pasted the Butler one over. I'm but no, you're, you're right, man. He has been everywhere. The The scoring for me is just, we always ask about the Heat. If the Heat are going to take that next step, it has to be with in-house. Their in-house players have to get better. And Bam, every year has gotten better. I'm looking at the 1920 season when they ended up going to the finals. Um, he was averaging 16 points a game. Uh, and if you watch that finals over, we were okay putting LeBron on him because we're like, Bam, probably outside of the elbow, he's probably not going to shoot. Uh, he's probably not looking to shoot there. Next season, he comes back. He's at 18 points a game. He, he adds a little bit more range to that mid-ranger. Uh, last season, 19 a game. And then this season, the career high, 21 a game on 54% on twos. So, um, yep. you know, 
every year he's coming back with something better. You touched on the defense. He's keeping that Heat team afloat defensively because there has been a drastic amount of slippage defensively from that team that I just wouldn't have imagined. But it's never because of Bam. So yeah, I'm not Bam mad at covers that at all. a lot of mistakes more than anything. I'm not mad at that at all. Yeah. Like again, he was between it was between him, Butler, and Randall for my last spot, and I ended up going with Randall. But Bam was right there for me. Siakam was my highest rated guy that didn't make it. Okay. All right. So one more time for the listener, Adam. Uh, Just go ahead and reel off your team real quick. I'll reel off mine and then we'll move to the West. My starters, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. My backcourt reserves were Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brunson, and Tyrese Halliburton. And my frontcourt reserves were Kevin Durant, Julius Randle, and Bam Adebayo. If I may throw it out for you real quick, all of the other people that were in consideration were Pascal, James Harden, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, Zach Levine, and Darius Garland. Okay. And then for me, uh, I had the same starting five. I just replaced Jalen Brown with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, my reserves go Jalen Brown, DeMar DeRozan, Pascal Siakam, uh, Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and Darius Garland. Um, that was good right there, man. Again, the Eastern Conference has just been the superior conference, and it was a little bit harder to um, have a consensus 12. You guys let us know what you think. Um, but yeah, all right. So let's move on to the West. Um, the Western Conference for a large majority of our lives has been the best conference. Uh, this year, it is not that case, man. Uh, so at least for me, I don't know about you, but it felt a little easier to get a uh, a legitimate 12. I think we actually might agree on, if I had to guess, I would say we agree on at least 10 of these. Um, but, you know, maybe not. There's there There are some people injured who, you know, might have either slipped our minds or, or didn't get put on because of how many games they missed. But um, let's go ahead and start with starters, man. Uh, and let's just list off the easy ones. We both have Luka. Yep. Both have Jokic. Yep. Do we both have LeBron? Yep. Do we both have Ja? Yep. Okay. So that means yep. the fifth. And can, can I, let me interrupt you real quick for anybody yeah. who doesn't think that we should both so easily have LeBron. It doesn't matter what you think LeBron's in the league and, and vote. He's, 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 no, he's the captain. He's the captain. Yeah. He's going to be the captain. So for either of us to not put him as a starter would be kind of stupid because that it's happening. That's not kind of <laughs> yeah. up to us. And dude's averaging like 30 and 7 at like 53 years old or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I didn't actually look this up, but is Luca listed as a guard? Luca's a guard. Okay. So that means we have one front court space. Um, Correct. So go ahead and give me who you put in that, that fifth spot. Big Z, baby. Let's go. Okay. We're five for five, man. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think. Uh, it would be too controversial to put Zion in there, what he's done on the floor. Uh, I'll let you touch on it, Adam. Like what he'd done on the basketball court when he's available is nothing short of unstoppable, immovable, whatever superlative you want to throw out there. He's just been a wrecking ball of force that no one in the league has an answer for. So for me, it felt pretty easy to put him in. 
pretty much the case. Uh, the knock against him would be injuries again. He's only played 29 games so far this year, which quick math says that means he's missed 15. Uh, but he's been crucial in that time that he's he has played. He played a lot of games when Brandon Ingram was out and a handful of those, CJ was out as well. And Zion continued to lead the Pelicans to being a great team. He's averaging 26 a game on north of 60% uh, from the floor. I mean, it's ridiculous efficiency. He's putting out almost five assists a game, which is pretty good for the the kind of player that guy is. And fun fact that I stumbled across as I was doing this, Ja, or, or excuse me, Zion is shooting a higher three-point percentage than LeBron, Luka, or Ja. Three of our other our, our four other starters, <laughs> Zion is shooting a better three-point percentage on his measly eight attempts per game. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that shameless stat right there. <laughs> Heck yeah. Pelican's <laughs> propaganda all the way. All right. Zion's a better um, shooter than Luka. Take yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've got our five starters, both exactly the same. Um, so let me go ahead and label off a few of the bench locks I had. Uh, this is a guy we've talked about a few times on this podcast, uh, SGA. Yes, yep. sir. Easy lock. Uh, just for the listeners, 31 points, five rebounds, six assists on 50% shooting. It's just so absolutely. 1. 1. 1.7 steals and 1.1 blocks. Absolutely insane on on a a team that literally will not surround him with any floor spacing. He's shooting, you know, Um, do we both have Laurie Markkinen as a lock? I had Laurie Markkinen. I don't know that I would have called him a lock. Okay. Well, we both agree on him. But I do. Laurie Markkinen is on my team, yep. 25 points, eight rebounds, 52% shooting. Um, again, sort of like the Halliburton thing. This team, if you look before the season started, we would have probably predicted them to finish in the bottom two of the conference. And, and man, they've just been good. And it's been because of him in a large, large capacity. It's been because yep. of the thing that, that surprised me, man, I, I watched them play my team uh, earlier this year. I watched them beat the Warriors. I've watched them um, go toe-to-toe with Denver. I didn't realize how much, like, off-the-dribble game he has. Like, he is very, very good at someone closes out to him. He's very comfortable taking more than one dribble and getting to a spot on the floor. Um, so it's been really impressive to to me to watch, uh, to, to kind of learn more about him, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch too much of him in Chicago or Cleveland. So, you know, for him to have this sort of season has kind of been a coming out party for me um, and and to most of the NBA uh, viewers. Yeah, for sure. It's been interesting to me to see him bully dudes a little bit because I've never mm-hmm. thought of him as like a powerful player and it's not pretty when he does it. It's not that <laughs> bully balls is supposed to be pretty, but it's anyways. Uh, yeah, Lars has been great. Five a game on ridiculous efficiency, uh, been huge down the stretch, closing games for Utah. He would only need to bump up his free throw percentage a little yeah. bit to finish the season at 50 40 90. So that's still in play for a guy averaging 25 a game. Yep, Lloyd Markkinen, the all star, unreal. And then, do you have Stephen Curry? Yes, 
Yep. Okay. All right. So that, or I have one more, but I wanted to, to know, I'm pretty sure you'll have him on the team. I don't know if you would consider him a lock, but I had uh, Sabonis from Sacramento as a lock. Would not call him a lock, but he is on the team. Okay. Um, it felt, uh, I felt like somebody should be rep- rep- uh, some, somebody should be representing Sacramento. I don't think it really clicked with me until I was looking at the, the standings today. They're in fourth place. Fourth. Sacramento yeah. is balling. So you, you got to have one of either Fox or Sabonis. I went with Sabonis. I, I think Sabonis is actually their most important player. I wouldn't say he's their most talented. I think that is De'Aaron Fox. But in terms of impact to team, what the person means to winning, uh, for me, it's Sabonis. I watched them play us a couple – it might have been 10 days or so ago. Uh, we went to Sacramento, and we shut that damn beam down. But he was unreal, man. He uh, – he was tearing up whoever was guarding him. Thomas Bryant, Wayne Gabriel. We put LeBron on him. He didn't care. Um, on the season, he's averaging 19, 12, and 7 assists, which, like, <laughs> like if Jokic wasn't putting up the numbers he was putting up, we would be like, man, this guy is probably the best center in the conference. But yeah. um, You and I have, have privately said for a long time that Sabonis is a poor man to Nikola Jokic. And yeah. that never feels more true than now. Yeah, yeah, he's been unreal. So, okay, so we've agreed thus far on our first one, two, three, four, yeah, eight nine, guys. 12. First nine. nine, first nine. Okay, yeah. Um, so go ahead and give me your 10th player because I think this was where we might fracture off a little bit. So, did you put Anthony Davis? Okay, yeah, I actually had him as a lock, but I quickly unlocked him because I realized how many games it's already been that he's missed. Um, but what I what I did was I said I can't leave this guy off because there was a two week stretch where he was a top three player in the league and yeah. he was looked, looked like what he used to be. Yeah, looks like he was back in New Orleans. Yeah, he he was absolutely dominant for um, maybe an eight to ten game stretch there. So I was like, it would it would logically if someone left him off the team i could understand it because he's missed so much time and he's going to miss more time uh before the all-star break but just again the weakness of the conference is what what kept me kept him in for me yeah i agree with all of that uh before i ever started writing anything down i decided you were disqualified if you have not played in at least half the games okay. anthony davis has played 25 and has missed 19 so Still qualified for me. I have great numbers, like you said. I had a, a good little stretch of things when the Lakers needed it too. Yeah, Y'all something to kick your ass into gear, and Anthony Davis came out and provided that. So Anthony Davis took my final front court spot. Okay, okay, so okay, so then we are going to have at least one disagreement. Okay, so go ahead. We're ten for ten so far. Go ahead and give me uh, your two guards. Uh, Damian Lillard and Anthony Edwards. Woo! Okay, we both agree on Dame. Um, and by the way, at the moment, he has 30 in the first half against the Nuggets uh, at the time mm. of recording this. Um, so I don't think we need to make too much of a case for Dame. He's come back from the injury uh, last season. And he looks like old Dame. You know, uh, there was a little stretch there where he wasn't shooting the three ball particularly well. Uh, that's 
back to being around where where it generally is. Um, he's been good. The team's overachieved, I would say, at least based on my expectations of them. Um, make the Anthony Edwards case, man, because I'm interested. I'm interested. Okay. So the numbers coming across the board, 24 points, six rebounds, four, four assists, 1.7 steals. He's shooting about 46% from the floor, 36% from deep, 75 at the free throw line. The Timberwolves are 22 and 23, which is ninth place in the West, uh, which is four whole spots better than the Los Angeles Lakers, who I have already given two <laughs> players to. So don't tell me his team is not good enough. Um, Fair. But they're, they're kind of bad, and I feel like Edwards is playing great basketball every for a game, get to the cup at will, hitting the threes at 36% clip. That, that's pretty good numbers. And Edwards is like the farthest thing from a lock on my list. But every time I do this, I did this with you last year, I, I end up at some point thinking like, what's the point of an all-star game? Mm. It is this huge entertainment fanfare kind of event. Nobody plays to any defense. Nobody wants to watch Devin Booker shoot mid-range jumpers in the All-Star game. People want to watch Anthony Edwards get out on a fast break without anybody even trying to catch up so that he can just throw down a, a 360 windmill or something crazy like that. Anthony Edwards is more fun than any of the other options are to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I hear that. And this is actually one of the reasons I had my 12th player, because I think he can go toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe in the fun category with Anthony Edwards in terms of an all-star game. And that's Aaron Gordon. I, yeah, I, I, it sounds mad when you hear the name Aaron Gordon all-star, but He's on the best team in the Western Conference at the moment. He's been their second best player. I know Jamal Murray is their second best player. I know Michael Porter Jr. is their third best player. But this season, Aaron Gordon has his head and shoulders been their second best player. Um, you look at it from a defensive standpoint. One night he's guarding John Morant on a national TV game. The next night he's tasked with guarding Kawhi Leonard in a game they blow the Clippers out by 30 points or whatever it was. Um, another night he's guarding. Uh, you know, whoever the screener is. So Jokic can go guard the weak side corner, man. Um, He's very versatile on that end, which helps the Nuggets kind of just stay afloat defensively because obviously it's not going to come from their center uh, being a defensive anchor. I looked at the fact that they're the one seed and I kind of was like, can I get a second guy in there? I looked at the fun element that you threw out with Anthony Edwards and I was like, Aaron Gordon, probably if Zach Levine was never born, has, is a two-time slam dunk winner and um, probably should at least be one time, even with Zach Levine being out here. Um, but more importantly, man, like if you just look at the actual stats, they're not Anthony Edwards numbers, no, but 17.7 rebounds, 60% shooting. He's at a career high 38.5% from three. Um, and just fit to superstar. He's one of those guys that was built in the lab to play with Nikola Jokic. Great cutter. Uh, this year, the three ball has improved, as I mentioned there. Um, sacrifices a lot of shots in order to keep the ball moving and sort of is 
their best, def- their most versatile defender, I would say. I would say their best defender is probably Bruce Brown. Um, but in terms of just fit to team, all-star game, number one seed in the West, good numbers, career highs in certain stats. For me, Aaron Gordon made it over over Anthony Edwards. Man, I that is not a name I even considered. <laughs> not even not, on the I thought you were about to. to I told you we'd get so controversial on that last one, man. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say Paul George first of he, all. He, I, knew, was, I knew I knew it was a front court player. He was he one of my one of my last numbers. My only problem with the Aaron Gordon is that I, I feel like it was too reliant on the fact that they're the number one seed mm. and we were trying to stick in a second player from the best team. First of all, technically they're tied with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't see us out here trying to stuff Jaron Jackson Jr. into the all-star game. If he didn't uh, foul five times every game, he might have had a case, <laughs> but he just doesn't stay on the floor. So we, uh, it seems very motivated by how good the Nuggets are. But my problem is, and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but if you go look up the on-off metrics for Nikola Jokic, it shows that Aaron Gordon doesn't have a damn thing to do with that team being successful. Because when Nikola Jokic is on the floor, they have a ridiculously positive margin. And when Nikola Jokic sits, no matter if Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., whoever else is able to, to be their five-man unit, if Jokic isn't part of it, they get ran out of the gym every single time. So I just feel like we're, we're sticking Aaron Gordon in like a, an extra acknowledgement of how great Nikola Jokic is. It's like, Jokic, you are playing so good, you get two all-star spots this year. <laughs> we're just going to name one of them Aaron Gordon. Fair enough. Fair enough. First of all, that wouldn't be a bad idea because he has been unreal. <laughs> um, I, you know, what? if we're good with that, then hey, no, we learned. But I would. I, I kind of want to push back just because you look at some of those warrior teams and you look at Steph's on-off numbers, and it's like, were any of those years was Clay Thompson not deserving of being one or? Even K- when they had KD, like the on-off splits with, with Steph on the court would be drastic. When you look at LeBron, some of the LeBron Cleveland teams, how bad they were when just LeBron sat and Kyrie and Kevin Love would anchor the second unit. Was there any arguments that Kyrie shouldn't have been an all-star? Obviously, Aaron Gordon is not on that level. I don't want to compare him to Kyrie Irving and Klay Thompson. But actually, I actually think the Klay yeah, Thompson cop isn't a terrible one just because of like – fit to the superstar, blah, blah, blah. But you're right, man. This this does kind of feel like an extension of, hey, Nikola Jokic must be a three-time MVP. He's freaking averaging right. 25, 11, and 10 on 62% shooting. You're damn right. I better get a second nugget in there. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, fair enough. Aaron, yeah, honestly, bro, we could call this spot. Like, if, if Nikola Jokic's spot is for Nikola Jokic, the second, the Aaron Gordon spot is for like Nikola Jokic's bags and shoes and jewelry and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he gets two lockers, bro. He gets two lockers. The best player in the league. He gets two two lockers. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, just quickly for the listeners to reel it off, me and Adam were in pretty much lockstep on this one. Um, we both 
had the same starting five of Luka, LeBron, Ja, Jokic, and Zion. Uh, we also had Steph, SGA, Laurie Markkinen, uh, Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Dame Lillard. Um, and then where we split ways was you went with Edwards. Anthony Edwards and I went with Aaron Gordon. Yes. All right. So again, like, Dude, like I mentioned on my radar <laughs> for the record, if I can throw the names out there, the other five guys that I had written down to look at was De'Aaron Fox, Paul George, Devin Booker, Anthony Simons, and Jordan Clarkson. Okay. Uh, for me, my cutting room floor only included PG and Fox. And uh, Booker was on there as well. Um, no so Ant-Man? Just ah, those on. three. Ant-Man, I couldn't go just because the first like eight or ten games, he looked like he was out of shape. Like The Popeyes really got to him. And uh, and uh, it looks like the Popeyes guy. Yeah, but that's that's Luca's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the that's Luca's like uh, sort of body composition. And Edwards, it was affecting his play. It felt like the yeah. team, his you under- know, and Luca's scoring like thirty five a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is the Western Conference covered. Um, you guys, let us know what you guys think about um, our selections for both conferences. We'll take a short break, and then we have Talking Trivia with Adam. All right, so for anybody who's never stuck around this far, usually on a Thursday episode, we end with a little trivia segment called Talking Trivia. It's a real simple game. I'm going to throw out a couple of names, past or present, and Brandon is going to try to answer, and hopefully you guys as well at home are going to try to answer, did that player ever averaged 25 points a game over the course of an entire NBA season. We did this for a while. A bit of fun. The last round of this we did, which I quite aimed with a, a handful of guards that I think probably scored a little bit more than people remember them for. I know Eric Gordon was one. I can't remember who the second one was. And then the huge surprise of that episode was that Jerry Stackhouse put up like 29 a game for a whole season, which was pretty nutty. Anyways, three scoring guards. Today we're doing the same kind of concept, but this is big. So I've got three big men that I think might have, you might be surprised at just how much they've, they've scored, how close they came or even succeeded that 25 a game number. So the first guy on my list, He is a two-time All-Star. He is a one-time All-NBA selection. He has Olympic bronze and gold medals with Team USA in, was it Athens in 04 when we got bronze and were part of the Redeem team the following year? Carlos Boozer. C. Boozer. That's a good name, man. That's a good blast from the past sort of name. Okay. Whew. I'm going to get better. Carlos Boozer was actually like one of the thorns in my side as a child on those Utah teams, him and Darren Williams, pick and roll, pick and pop sort of game. They used to always have the Lakers number. Um, Carlos Boozer had, he's for the younger guys. He, he also had like that, just uh, like you, you see that jump shot, you know, it's Carlos Boozer with the little leg kicks at the end there. Um, Knockdown, knockdown mid-range player. 
but 25 feels high on a Jerry Sloan type of team. So I'm going to say under. I'm going to say Carlos Boozer never eclipsed the 25-point mark. You would be correct at his peak. In 2007, 2008, Boozer hit 21.1. Okay. So Mr. Mr. Bar, good little mark. Second guy on my list. This might be a fun blast from the past for you. He is also a two-time All-Star. He is also a one-time All-NBA selection. He was the 2003-2004 Most Improved Player. Our younger fans will remember him as a consistent piece of the Memphis Grizzlies. Some older fans might think back to the jailbird days. Frizzibo, Zach Randolph. That's a good one, man. See, this one is going to be tough for me because, God, that – you're right, man. Those those Grizzly teams, I would say no, just because of how slow they played, how much sort of like uh, I don't know, man. They just always felt like they were last in pace. They always felt like it was a struggle to get to ninety. But yeah. you're right, man. Those Blazer days, a couple Nick seasons in there, um, and this was actually one of the most like underrated kind of players of our generation i would say like just in terms of ability to put the ball in the basket he was unreal didn't have a vertical wasn't gonna break you off the dribble but he just knew how to score man and uh 25 again it feels high especially considering two-time all-star but i mean he could have got in one of those all-star years so you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna take the chance on zach randolph i'm gonna say he got it but it wasn't with memphis the highest scoring season of his career was 2007-2008. This was his last season in Portland when he put up 23 points. Ah. Um, missed it by about a point and a half. Tough. Zachary Randolph was good, though. Like you said, just Very you know, it wasn't flashy. Couldn't jump over a phone book. <laughs> and just found ways to score. He beat you up in the post. And, Just beat and you down, man. Knock down some mid-range jumpers a little bit himself. Had Mike Conley to play off of for a while there in, in, uh, in Memphis. Shout out to Zebo. Shout out to Zebo. One of the more iconic NBA quotes. Uh, he was playing DeMarcus Cousins in a game, gave him some bump, and he was like, uh, DeMarcus Cousins and him got into it a little bit. And he's like, you don't want to do that, man. I'm from where bullies get bullied. One of the more right. iconic quotes that uh, that you'll hear. Yeah, shout out Zebo. All right, my last player on the list today has uh, quite a longer list of accolades than those other two guys do. This man is a Hall of Famer. He's a seven-time All-Star. He is a two-time All-NBA selection. He is a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He's a two-time Blocks champion. And in 2006, he won an NBA championship coming off the bench in his older age with the Miami Heat. This is Alonzo Mourning. Ooh, man. Shit. Okay. Okay. Um, man, this one is going to get me, isn't it? Because I know you want me to think about Miami Morning, but it had to have been Charlotte Morning that was the scorer. That had to have been his better days. But damn, man, 25 again. The thing that gets me with these sometimes is I think of the eras, and I think 
late 90s, early 2000s, how slow the game was played, it would have been hard. But then again, all they used to do is feed the big man. So, you know what, man? I'm going to stick my neck out on the line again here. As good of a defensive player it was, maybe uh, maybe the offense went underlooked. So I'm going to say yes. He's eclipsed 25, and I'm going to take Alonzo Mourning on the over. All right. You finish out today with one for three. Alonzo Mourning, uh, I think he was 21.7 points per game in 1999-2000 as a member of the Miami Heat. You mentioned the Charlotte days. You mentioned the Charlotte days. and Oh, excuse me. Someone in here. His highest was 23.2 in first season with Miami. I don't know how I overlooked that. Uh, he only played three years with Charlotte. All three years saw him up over 21. Then that first year in Miami, which would have been 95-96, he was averaging 23.2, and then things kind of dropped off from there. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was going to get you with him. I thought that all of those accolades were going to look so appealing. That's all what got me, honestly. Second time All-Star. Like, that's honestly what got me was like, oh, man, like this guy might have actually been better than I thought. Like, sure. Yeah, that's what got me. Yeah, honestly. It's a little before our time, too. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah, that was that that was oh. a good one, man. One for three yeah. is, is not good yeah. enough. Three guys today and none of them made it. Carlos Boozer, 21.1. Zach Randolph, 23. Six. Lonzo Morning, 23.2. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, for the listeners that are still here, hopefully you guys did better than me this week. Um, again, uh, thank you guys so much for for kind of sticking with us here. Um, as a, as I mentioned, uh, if if you're listening to this episode first, listen uh, listen to the one uh, that got put out right before this. It's just basically an explanation of why the pod hasn't been um, on its regular sort of schedule um but um after a few weeks of you know just going one one episode a week we will be back to uh normal programming by the second half of the season thank you guys for sticking with me adam thank you so much for joining me again my bro and we'll do it again soon absolutely man appreciate it it's been too long yes sir